When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 333 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I've got with me today Steve Kuzner, former transfer correspondent for World Football Daily and a regular contributor in the fabled Barcelona Podcast Closed Facebook group. But I think one is more of a claim to fame than the other. And since Barca has a whole week off, the summer transfer mill started churning again. So Steve is going to help me ask some important questions about talent evaluation. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Big fan. So, Steve, as a an analyst of transfers, and I, I think speaking with you offline, there's a good understanding that you think of all these transfers, not saying in a more realistic way, but there's a lot more questions of it just in even the money. Because I think people can rely on, oh, here's why the money doesn't work. And I think that one actually takes more research. But for you, there's a lot more questions that fans don't seem to ask. So I want to start by just getting your expertise. And you worked with transfers for many years, many years ago. So what are the parameters of talent analysis from the perspective of Alemani, Laporta, Jordi Cruyff, who actually may head to Ajax soon to replace Mark Overmars? But you gave me a list. It's not just the money. It's not just the money up front, the transfer fee and agent negotiations. We'll get to that later. Sure. I have a specific framework. Uh, my background's in talent acquisition. And there's a general framework you would use regardless of industry or you know type of skill set. So... The, the framework kind of is uh, five simple steps. First one is to find out why a player is looking, you know, in our space, why are they quote unquote unsettled? 
Um, and that list can be really long. Um, the first thing with that is, you know, if someone's contract sending, they're free. And that's something that in the ideal situation we really want. And where we are financially, that's really where we need to be focusing. Other things that could lead a player to be looking, you know, they may be at a stepping stone club, you know, a mid-table team or a league in a uh, different country than Spain that we might be able to pull from. Players can be misused. Uh, they can be in cities they don't like. Language can be an issue. Um, that could be a big barrier. They could be in a toxic locker room. They might be on a team that is losing or underachieving, um, and they don't like that. They could say something like, Messi, this place doesn't have a long-term plan. It feels kind of rudderless. That could be a big one. They could have fallen out with their coach. That's how we got um, Albany in. You could have their parents be a big influence. You could have their wife be a big influence. There's a lot of things that can influence a player in why they you know, choose to go somewhere. I don't think it's a mistake that Messi's in Paris because it's Paris. Um, if he was going to go somewhere, it really needed to be a destination city in addition to um, where he's at. So the first step in that is you know, why, are, why is the player looking at open opportunities in the first place? Well, yeah, as you're going through your list, I'm thinking almost player by player about the different parameters of those lists. I mean, even for Dembele, for all his injuries and all the issues of him being brought in, language in the, that first year, I remember just coming up that this kid is a teenager. He was 19 when he showed up and he did not speak Spanish. And, you know, it's become a meme, a joke now, five years later. I think his Spanish is adept enough to, to get by in Barcelona yeah. nowadays, five years later. But when he showed up, it actually was an issue where he was having trouble communicating even with Messi, who historically, what we know, Messi has some understanding of some other languages, but is very reluctant or has reportedly been very reluctant to speak in those languages. So whatever French that Messi knew, apparently just wasn't enough to communicate with Dembele and vice versa in a way that was the, the other team or the opposition could not pick up very, very quickly if these two teammates are having trouble. Two teammates are important to being speaking to one another. And then I, you thought about the spouse and kids thing. And my first thought was Cesc Fabregas, where Cesc Fabregas, Arsenal uh -huh. wanted him to stay. Yeah. Everybody wanted him to stay. But it's it's well documented. His wife said, yeah, I would love to, <laughs> for, to head to Barcelona. Let's, let's go. Let's go home. And that's one of the major reasons why he was pulled back to Barcelona, even if, even if he knew he was going to have to compete with Busquets and Xavi and Iniesta and instead of just being the man, the captain at Arsenal. So yeah, you go through your list and it's, you know, which of those, and, and it could be multiple too. And for Barcelona, you know, it seems like they always check that box of a city that someone will like, right? There, there are certain parameters there that I say, oh, boy, oh, yes. unfortunately are always going to be that thing where a stepping stone club is not Barca. So thankfully, Barcelona, again, they're immediately disqualified from some of those unfortunate questions, which actually in the inverse, like a Coutinho or an Umtiti makes it more difficult to get rid of those players because, because yeah. Barca, where do you go from Barca? It's not a stepping stone club. And if you're in Barcelona, the city, why are you leaving that city? A absolutely. We have to be extremely careful with who we sign because the players don't want to leave. It's, it's like, we're such a big magnet that if we sign someone, it's going to be really hard to get rid of them. And we've seen that the last two years if, if they're if they're not working out like if you're into travel if you watch a travel show the first city they always do is barcelona you know it was the number one city in voters like uh, i think it was before covid like there's a lot there it's not just the weather there's so much culture there's so much to do there's a peach in the city if you want to get outside and commute in Messi did it for most of his career like it is a place that people want to be the city is a huge magnet um here in the u.s 
in the NBA, we talk about destination cities. And in the soccer world, we're the number one destination city, you know, especially if you're talking to a spouse or family or, or kids. And to, to get back onto the spouse and language thing, if you're pulling in a player that is having an issue with the language and their spouse is having an issue with the language on top of it, it's kind of exponential of how quickly you can become unhappy. You deal with culture shock when you move as well. I mean, like the, these are things that we don't think about as fans very often. I didn't become aware of it until I had heard how many Brazilians, I want to be sensitive right now, how many Brazilians had moved to Russia to play there 10 years ago um, for whatever reason, how big of a language the barrier was, you know, from speaking Portuguese, you know, and not just the weather, but it was such a culture shock because of that. But we want to be sensitive to it. Well, yeah, um, I think with the players we bring in. To that point, one of the things you always think of is for Shakhtar Donetsk, the infrastructure that they have built for Brazilians, where they have yeah, a, because of that, they have a Brazilian trans or Portuguese translator on staff that is ready to pick them up. And then I think the Premier League, especially in the early two thousands, learned this lesson as well. If you're going to pluck yeah. somebody from the African continent, or particularly from South America, from Brazil, or I mean, Uruguay and Argentina, there are a bit more Spanish speakers in the Premier League at that time, in the early 2000s. But yeah, I mean, the Portuguese speakers were far and few between. So you bring over a Brazilian kid who's 17, 18 years old, and they're going to have a little bit of trouble. And that seems to be a theme that you hope is getting less and less as teams kind of are anticipating that those might be issues and it might be a culture shock for certain kids. And that's why I think the Bundesliga in particular has had so many young players where they kind of can pull from all over because the Bundesliga team seem to be accommodating to the needs yes. of the youth from 17 to 19 in that age range in particular, they are concerned with the culture that uh, one of their players might be leaving and jumping into, but still the cutthroat nature of those Bundesliga teams really does iron kids out very quickly as well. Because even if the, the club accommodates your language and your parents and your family, you can still show up. And then, I mean, I'm, I Bayern is the, the worst example, but yeah, then you show up in the Bayern locker room and then Thomas Muller goes, well, now that you can understand me, let me tell you why you're not going to take my spot, right? And so even yeah. then, even when you get all those <laughs> other things, the competitive nature of the Bundesliga locker rooms winds up eating uh, people alive. But okay, so next step then is EVP. This is a term that you sent me. And I want you to kind of explain to the listeners what this means, because this really winds up being the next stepping stone in selling a player on a club. Sure. So in the first step, why are you looking? The second step is like, what's important to you? Say, talking to the player that potentially could, could transfer. So you're going to ask them what the, you know is important to them, because you never know. But there's common themes and three things why people tend to move regardless of occupation, um, include what I would call the work, the culture, and compensation. By work, what we mean in terms of Barcelona, it would be playing in La Liga, Champions League, playing in the biggest game, two biggest games in a year without Classico. Like that's a huge deal. Um, that's the biggest stage. Everyone is looking at you. So the work that we have it's the pinnacle. So that's something that there's some other clubs that have, you know, work that's as good in the same category, but there aren't many. So we have that. But the second piece of this, the culture, this is the most important thing that differentiates us beyond a shadow of a doubt, in particular, that we need to play beautiful football. <laughs> what we have done the last, this I guess, about 30 years at this point, um, since Cruyff uh, originally came as a coach, it's important that people view us as the place to play that's fun, 
that they're going to play beautiful, attacking, forward-thinking football. There's many derivatives out of that in a 4-3-3 different systems. But the, the basics of position, pressure, possession, and then making it beautiful uh, as we do that is extremely important. Um, it's important that we hire the right coaches. We need to have coaches like Xavi that within was that, six, seven weeks, these guys are willing to give their lives for him. Um, it is amazing what he has done in terms of a, a cultural transformation with our locker room and how positive things are. Like winning does that, but he things that he, he implemented, like the initial thing of getting there two hours early, the reason for that is not just, okay, discipline. It was for relationships that they're just hanging out, getting to know each other. So, okay. So in terms of the culture, you have that, you have potential friends that could be there teammates that they'd want to play with. We talked about the language piece. There's a general niceness about Barcelona as an organization. It's a, it's an organization that you don't hear negative stuff coming out. Like I couldn't get an interview or this or that. It's like, no, they really took, they really took uh, care of me. And so you have all this culture and what this does. And, you know, if you followed football for a long time, you see it generationally where we become someone's childhood club because we played really great attacking football and everything with that culture. When we find out that we were someone's childhood club, like that, that is like, like checkmate in a negotiation. Like they really want to be here. We have to screw it up, not to get them. The other piece of that is the compensation, which we, you know, we go over that a lot, transfer fees, the wages and any add-ons to that. So when you say EVP, though, can you just define what that term? Sure. EVP stands for employee value proposition. It is why someone would want to work here. And in this case, it's playing for FC Barcelona. It's, you know, our proposition to like, hey, this is why you should be here. And in our case right now, it's real important because it's, hey, this is why we need you on a free and at a discount. Like when they negotiate, they can't go over this stuff too much. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, 
and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and we've already kind of hit some of the potential wrinkles that club or hiccups that clubs will hit. And location certainly is one of them. Family is the other one we've already kind of touched on as well. And then number three, and it's funny because we, I think there's two minds where we don't want to think that agents have all this power, but in the same regard, like we know that Jorge Mendez, we know that Riola, and I mean, now we're, you're learning, you're, you're seeing it with Usmane Dembele, that the more time that goes on, the more you understand that Musa Sissoko is the primary figure in all of this, more than Dembele, more than Xavi, more than Laporta, more than Alemani, that Musa yeah. Sissoko is the name to know. And yeah, so as much as I think we both downplay agents, but then we downplay it to a point where we forget that agents are the key piece in all of this as well. So a- agents have a lot of influence. Uh, they don't always have their uh, client's best interest in mind. You can kind of see with uh, the money. If an agent says the number one thing that I need to do for my client is to get as much money as possible, you probably did, didn't hire the best agent. An agent's job is to do what's best for the player. And that includes their entire package. It's not just compensation. It's also the work. It's also the culture. It's making their parents, their spouse, their kids happy. It's all of that. So yeah, they have a lot of influence. They don't always have the best interest in mind and they can really throw a monkey wrench um, into negotiations if, if that's the case. And best thing to do, maybe just avoid them if possible. If you do need to work with them, you feel that there's a player that you can't live without. The way you got to do that is through relationships. And I think Laporte is excellent at that because if you develop a relationship and you're good with those sorts of skills, you quote unquote, break a lot of bread with them. You you may get someone at a discount or a reasonable price or a good deal, but we can't take them out of the equation at all. They wield a lot of influence. Yeah, certainly the power of agents. And we keep saying this is only growing over time as well. So what that leads us to is this equation that you have value is equal to benefits minus cost. It seems Tim, yeah. uh, it seems pretty simple, but can you frame that through the lens? And you have some examples for me here through the mm-hmm. lens of football transfers. 
Yes, exactly. Um, th this is an equation straight out of business school for a product. Um, value equals the benefits you get from a product or a service minus the cost when you had to pay for it. If we apply this to player values, you know, the benefits are the metrics that we get, how good they're in the locker room, the leadership, the titles they bring us, the winning, the culture, all those things they may bring to us minus the transfer fee, the wages, any other add-ons that we do to their contract. And we need to look at any and every player we have through this lens. When we look at players, whether we should keep them, whether we should, you know, potentially bring someone in, we need to think, well, if we're going to pay this in wages or this fee, what can we expect to get it? And then look at our current players. And, and you know, a good example would be Dembele. Like we paid over $100 million for him. He's produced over five years what we probably would get out of a transfer for 15 to 20 million dollars. They don't have leverage at the bargaining table with us. Like if he wants to stay here for the city, you know, the beautiful football we're doing, the, the project that Javi's put together, the potential to really go deep in the Champions League next year, he needs to come at a discount. Um, it's almost as if if you look at this value equation, it's almost like he owes us money. That's the angle that I, that I take to it um, when I'm looking at transfers and whether we're going to resign our own people. You know, it's a, this value equation is is great when you look at someone like PK who deferred his income is going to take less. Like he actually thinks this way in his own mind. He's like, okay, my value's gone down. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to help the team. I believe Catalonia. What can I do to help? He's he, he's maybe maybe not using this verbatim, but he's doing it subconsciously in his mind. Um, so that's what we mean by value and value equals the benefits you get from a player minus what we need to pay. Yeah. And I think that equation, and we're going to start talking about actual names, actual players. So we've laid the foundation, we've laid the framework for how we're basically going to analyze. Now, I mean, I've got between maybe 10 to 15 names here, more than that on the different aspects yeah. of how Barcelona look at transfers and especially as you mentioned free agents things have changed so we're going to do that last but first we start with that equation based on the players that are already in the squad starting with Ronald Araujo and Gabi so these two need renewals and you say it is pretty desperate for these renewals to happen and yeah. they certainly have the most wiggle room or as far as those players negotiating renewals they have the most negotiation leverage if you will because their benefits are so much greater than their current value and so obviously their cost is going up as well so that means it's a little more difficult with taking what their benefits are yeah because again right now their value is some of the highest in the squad based on what they're currently making but that one billion release clause obviously is going to be added yeah then figuring out what exactly their number is can be very difficult because they then set the wage structure because they are probably going to be some of the higher earners in four or five years yeah, the thing that's good with, with them is we don't have to pay a transfer fee. You know, it's just going to affect the wages. And the La Liga salary cap of what we can pay is going to be greatly affected by how much money we have coming in. If we're filling up um, the stadium, we're going to have more money to spend. So when you're something that's not on here in this framework is a different principle, which is called internal equity. Everyone that's on a team, whether it's in a, you know, a company, nonprofit or a sports team, you, you can't kind of have outliers and stuff. So when you're looking at renewing them, we need to look at what we're paying other people in the team and how much we have coming in. You come up with a number, you present that to them, you present it in a, you know, that last. You'd be like, look, we want your future here. 
you, you go through everything in the EVP. And this is what we can get for you. This is what we can do. This is our financial situation. If we were a company, we'd be bankrupt right now. This is what we can do. If you want to be part of this project, we want you to be part of it. This is what we can do for you. Now, the advantage with Gavi that we have is that he came through our system. <laughs> so when you go to the negotiating table uh, to renew someone like that, we should be able to do that because he doesn't want to go anywhere. Ronald Arojo, I think he wants to be here. I think this is like a dream situation for him. He could you know, be here another five, 10 years, potentially be one of the handful best center backs in the world. Like that's his ceiling and how he fits in our system. I, I think it's a similar sort of negotiation. I think we're going to get both of these done. I'm not, I'm not worried about it, but it's, it's not, they're a little bit easier because, because we're going to pay a little bit more because they're young. It's going to be relative to everyone else in, in the squad. Another thing is other places are out of cash too <laughs> because of COVID. So if they really want to be here and money's not the number one item, I think we're going to be fine. Well, in the case of Araujo and Gabi, they might be looking over to a guy who's not on the field right now in Ansu Fati, because I think his renewal went a long way in dictating what the future wage structure was going to be. Yeah. Pedri as well. So it is a case of because he was the first to resign, if you will, of this generation or renew, if you will, from this generation, it does kind of set the market a little bit. Now, some guy who doesn't have any market because how many 38-year-olds come back to their club basically to play for free? That's Danny Alves. So this might be a pretty simple renewal. Actually, not say simple, but it's going to be a little more interesting, though, because now if he stays and renews for next season as well, you'd think that he actually might make more than he did this year because he was on the league salary limit. And next year, there might be a little bit of incentive. I don't know how much it would be, but there might be some incentive to pay him a little bit more than the salary league limit. Because again, this was just kind of a favor he led the club. And now the club can say, hey, you know, your value, your benefit was more than, much more than your cost, which was basically free. And that's in, and wages, I mean. Uh, we're still talking, what, 300000 a week or, or, or 300000 for the whole, not a week, 300000 for the, or for the six months. But yeah, I think Alva's, it is going to be a weird case where a 38-year-old is going to make less than him at 39 because he basically came on the, the limit. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the minimum. Yeah, I mean, I, he's, do, he's doing us a favor. Um, I mean, Javi wants him because he knows Pep's system with inverted fullbacks and the wingers totally out. And he's mentoring Dest. He's providing leadership. He's just going to fit within the system. I mean, he, he's slowing down a lot. I, I love Danny, Danny Alves, a lot of great memories. And I think he'll be here next year, but like he's basically just doing us a favor. He's doing, he's doing a Tom Brady. That's a quick, easy um, negotiation. The, his value to us is almost only to us. You know, anywhere else, it's like he might as well go and do a, a, a victory parade, you know, in Brazil or maybe in the MLS, like that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. And then for Dembele, I'm not going to do it again. He either accept Barca's offer yeah. or he'll go elsewhere. That's it. We'll keep kicking that can down the road. I talked about it earlier in the week. And then Sergio Roberto, a report came out this week from Tony from Siempre Positivo, who I do trust. I don't trust anybody, but he said that Sergio Roberto has been linked to the LA Galaxy. Now, now people know that I do have an affiliation with the MLS and I do raise my eyebrows when I see any player in Europe linked with the LA Galaxy or Inter Miami. Those are the names that everybody's linked with. And we go back to the location destination thing. That seems to be in the U.S. Those are the two destination cities in the NBA and for those internally and then externally in Europe, too. I mean, almost every player, any player who lives in Barcelona is only going to take 
LA or they're going to take into Miami. They're not going to want to live in no offense, but they're not going to want to live in Houston in the, in the summertime when it's, when it's so hot down there and humid and stuff. And then they're not going to want to live in Minnesota either. So those cities, unfortunately in MLS, it's a little bit harder for them to attract free agents from cities like Barcelona or like the Serie A or one of those, you know, better climate areas. And Roberto moving forward though, does bring up questions because that is one where as one of the three, as one of the four captains, he's the third captain for the club. He's been institutional, as you mentioned, he's been there for, for, for two decades now, says Roberto. And so you do bring up questions with him on he's making too much for the player he is, but he also is in theory going to take a discount with this renewal based on the institutional the stability that he provides off the field. Yeah, with him, I'd go back to the first two questions. You know, why are you looking? Why are you opening open to making a move? And, you know, what's important to you? What, what do you want? Like, does he want to, um, you know, stick around at a discount? Um, kind of playing as a, a squad player captain. If that's what he wants. Like, yeah, it's, it's great to have people like that, you know, in, in the locker room. Um, but it needs to come at, you know, a price that fits our, our wage structure. But, you know, he, he may not want to he may not want to do that. You know, people may be looking at us not as like, hey, next year, you know, we can win the Champions League. I mean, I think we have a great chance for La Liga and, and you know, you know, Copa del Rey next year, like we should be expecting to try to win those things at this point with the momentum we have um, and probably what will happen this summer. Um, but uh, he may not want, he may just want to do something different. Like I, I don't know in his mind, I don't know his background that well enough. I don't know if he's married, if he has kids. It's a big transition also for him to leave. If he's going to go somewhere, different language, different place, you know, family, spouse may not want to do that. At the same time, You've never been anywhere else. He's always been here. So he just may want to get out of town and just do something mm -hmm. different. You know, a lot of people in their 20s just want to get somewhere else. Um, and that can be a motivator for why people leave teams, too. That was something I forgot to put on the list initially, why someone would be looking. Like, you're in your 20s. You want to kind of travel around. A good example of that would be Josie Altador. He almost went to too many places, you know, because he just <laughs> – like to go to go to different places. Um, yeah, Roberto's so, interesting though because he just did turn thirty, and he had let's say he had a reputation of being you know in his early twenties in Barcelona. Let's put it that way. When he was in his early twenties, he had a bit of reputation of being one of the ones okay. who in, in, enjoyed Barcelona. But now he is thirty. Now he is married. Now he has completely settled down. And so it's interesting because. The argument would be that based on that parameter that Roberto would have left eight years ago or nine years ago. And, and when he did stay on the bench and we did fight through that time when he wasn't playing, now he's, you know, a key, we'll say a key part of the squad, but he has to be at 30. He has to be a key part of the squad to make those wages or he's got to hit the door. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting yeah. because the minute the club wants to, to take away his leverage, they can. Right. And I think that's an interesting one with leverage. Right? I don't think Roberto Absolutely. actually has leverage in that situation. And it's a matter of going forward where he really can only say, hey, if Xavi likes me and thinks I'm, I'm the right back who's going to add more stability because Danny Alves is 38, I Mingetha you can't really trust. And Dest, you know, not only who knows if you're going to choose to keep him as a club because they're doing the same evaluation with him, but, you know, do you really think that he's got a future at left back or where is he in this equation? Okay, so I want to pivot to... This question I seem to have every year that comes up, not every year, but every few weeks, especially during the transfer windows, about young players. And when I say young players, I mean the best young players at other clubs between the ages of like 16 and 20. 
who basically get li linked to Barcelona for a myriad of different reasons. Is it the agents who are kind of spitting this stuff out through their sources, right? So if a journalist has a good relationship with an agent and this can help get a player over by linking him to Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now, usually when there are players linked to both those two clubs, I do raise my eyebrows because I go, oh, those seem like pretty two convenient clubs. And Barcelona and Real Madrid, as much as they compete about everything, they're not competing over every single young player, 17, 18 years old. They, of course, want to incorporate them into their youth team. But again, it's not every single player. Now, in the likes of a, I'm going to bring up Florian Wirtz first of Bayer Leverkusen. You know, there was, it was supposed interest in him. Of course, there's interest in him. He grew up, as you mentioned, as a Kool-Aid. There's pictures of him in the jersey, and it was, again, a perfect time period. Any player from 17 to 22, of course, they were starting to learn to kick a ball around as Barcelona were the best team in the world. So you understand the, the connections there of all these kids having their childhood club still be Barcelona. Uh, and then Jude Bellingham as well. But Verts apparently has a 100 million euro price tag put on him, 150 for Jude Bellingham. So I, I think those are just, you know, basically flattering reports of, of nothing. Now where yeah. it gets a little more complicated is the connections to young Spanish players. Because we just saw Fabio Blanco show up as a winger in January from Eintracht Frankfurt. He's a, a U, I believe, 17 Spanish international, probably played U16 as well. And he's trying to fit his way into Barcelona B. Also, Emre Demir, who's an attacking midfielder, he just turned 18, will arrive to Barca B over the summer. It's been a rough season for him. But when Barcelona had signed him, he was the youngest, well, he always will be the youngest scorer in the Turkish league until somebody breaks that record. But since that time, six total appearances this season, mainly playing in domestic cup, uh, domestic cup competition instead of the league. Now, really featuring in a Turkish league also has been dealing with a little bit of injuries. So he's an attacking midfielder. Now, reports this week, and it seems like this deal might be done even soon sometime. I don't know. But Racing Santander, who's down in the same division as Barca B in the third division, Racing Santander, Pablo Torre, 18 years old. He'll be 19 in a month. This year, he's got 23 appearances, six goals, seven assists. So as far as just total goal contributions, I believe he is second in the third division at just 18 years old. And then Las Palmas' Alberto Malero, who is a left-winger slash attacking midfielder, basically just replaced. He's 18. He just replaced Pedri. I mean, like for like, they just put him right in. Oh, we got another 18. We got another one of these. He's got 24 appearances this year, two goals, one assist. And Barca has been linked to him as well. There is a limit, though. If you're Pablo Torre or if you're Abarte Merlero and you're 18 years old and you're looking at where those interiors are for Barcelona, why would Barcelona, and then again, Emery Demir also showing up for Barca B, if you're another attacking midfielder who's 18 years old, why are you choosing to come to Barca and why would Barca be I mean even though it would be one to get over Real Madrid if Real Madrid really wants this player do you really think this player is special enough to spend 10 million euros on at 18 like what what is Barcelona's incentive for for going for these players and what is the player's incentive for showing up I mean that's that's a tough question uh because you know as you kind of allude to on the surface it doesn't make a lot of sense other than we need to fill out Barca B and uh, potential resale um bring people in and then sell them for more I don't know if they're looking we heard about the doing cryptocurrencies and all kinds of other stuff this mm -hmm. week. They may be looking at a different sort of business model because, you know, as you say, we we don't need players like that at this exact moment. You know, um, the other thing is, you know, they may be thinking. I remember on the podcast you talked about Pedri uh, 
two years ago, whatever it was. And I was just like, hmm. I was like, okay, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I assume this guy ends up being good at some point. <laughs> it's like, you know, a handful of midfielders in the world right now. Maybe they're seeing something we're, we're, we're not seeing you know, at, at, at this point. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the negotiation with that, like, I definitely am concerned, like, with where we are financially. You know, I've been in the business world for 20 years, and I look at dollars and cents way more than I probably should with the sports and actually worry about those things that, yeah, I don't completely get, you know, those ones, you know, maybe one comes true and becomes like Pedri and maybe the rest, they move on and we make a profit on it. I'm hoping that that's what happens. Well, yeah, I figure the Spider-Man meme on Twitter, where it's just all these attacking midfielders from 18 to 20 years old are at Barcelona. Yeah. It's a good problem for Xavi to have be able to pick, but Quickly, you get a Ricky Poo situation where now you've got a player who's 22 whose market value has completely cratered. And yeah, I mean, the likes of a Pablo Torre, yeah. it basically, it's actually Yusuf Demir would be the better example where Demir comes in. He was a really, really high prospect. It didn't work out because he should have been with Barca B. He winds up being with the first team, pushed too quickly. So I mean, even the likes of Emery Demir with what he's done this year as an 18 in the Turkish League, I already say, hey, I know he's coming for Barca B next year. But I could also see him going out on loan from Barca B if Barca B, uh, who will not be promoted. So you're going to have this guy go from the Turkish league where he's not really getting minutes to potentially, what, the Spanish third division. And then the year after, he'll be 19 or 20 years old. So already in a moment, you've got a 20-year-old on your hands who's nowhere near the first team at Barcelona. And these things can happen in, it takes just a year for that to happen. Okay, so now time for the fun part, right? It's the big names. It's the names that everyone's going to have hot takes about. And we have to start with Erlen Holland. We don't learn anything new, but it seems like the reports this week are that Barcelona might be offering Holland $20 million in his first year, $30 million in his second year, $40 in his third year, $50 in his fourth year, and $55 million Euros in his last year. That sounds like Mino Raiola is getting a deal, even if, I mean, just using the leverage of Man City and Real Madrid, probably against Barcelona, to get that number. And it seems for Holland that market value, commercial value, goal value, age, seems like his the benefits of Holland are very high. It seems like the value of Holland would be very high. But unlike every player we're going to have, every player we would have talked about, with the exception of Dembele's offer that Musa Sissoko is looking for, the cost of Holland is something that we can't fathom, if that makes any sense, right? Like the numbers are so much yeah. more than everybody else I think it, it becomes very difficult to understand his benefits and value. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. One wrinkle that's not on here that's part of a negotiation is if there's other parties involved. So if there's other people that are interested in a player, I'm a big fan of us not going after players that are like, okay, present me the three or four different places I can go and all the money that I can get you know, for each of these places. And then, then let's look at the project. I really worry about that. The thing with him that I, my two biggest concerns, one is the injury was, which you'll see constantly with the memes and stuff like that. Like I am very risk adverse. He's missed a lot of time. The second thing is like with the numbers, like part of the package, like goes to his dad, which, you know, th that's happened before, but his dad um, played for Chelsea back in the day. It, it's a, it's a very strange, unique situation with him that I don't, I don't quite get that. And that concerns me um, potentially down the road. Um, and you're right with in the final thing. With I didn't even have it, you know, thinking ahead before um, the show is that 
there's other people that are driving up the price with him. All that being said, there is an equalizer, two equalizers. One, it's it's our EVP. No one has better EVP than we do. Um, people want to be in Barcelona. They want to play beautiful football. They want to play for Xavi. We got things that other places can't, can't put a price on. But then the other piece is the Porto's relationships. Relationships, if they are very, very solid, you would be surprised what you can get out of negotiations with it. So like I, I'm, a, I'm of the, hey, we should get more people, not the superstar with, with Holland this summer. But my gut tells me they're going to make it happen, and I don't want them to. Well, yeah, the one thing that does also, I think for a football club as opposed to the big difference between a football club and just any other company is that what is the point, what is the purpose of the football club? Most companies, especially in the Western world, their goal is to make a profit. Their goal is to make as much money as possible, as efficiently as possible. And for Erlen Holland, where they change the calculus is that, yeah, he's going to bring in some commercial value, but the point of a football club is to win trophies. And so often in the modern game, trophies does equal more money. So those things do pair well for the objectives of a football club rather well. And Holland is the one player on the list or one of the only players in the world, aside from Kylian Mbappe, where your club almost overnight can, in theory, again, if Holland is healthy, in theory, he gives you a chance to win the Champions League for the next six, seven years, especially because Ansu Fati, Pedri, Gabi, I don't, I'm not sure if I can throw Nico in there yet, but De Young, in theory, Araujo, if he resigns. So in theory, there is this spine already built that if you put a guy who serves the purpose of football, which is to score goals, and you put him up top, you become a Champions League contender for the next six, seven years. And he'll always guarantee Champions League football, which is a big check. And he'll always guarantee the maybe not a Copa del Rey or whatever, or La Liga, those payouts aren't as big, but he'll always guarantee that Champions League money is coming in. And down the line, if Barcelona are trying to renegotiate the CVC deal with La Liga, because right now they're trying to negotiate their own version of it, having a name yes. like Holland in your team gives you more leverage because of his commercial power for the league. He makes selling broadcasting rights easier because you just plaster his face and his him scoring a goal and him his celebration everywhere. Yeah. As well as, again, those payouts that come from, again, being in the Champions League. And if Barcelona were to down the road consider a Super League, Erlen Holland already in tow on your team, whether or not we, again, the idea of Holland at 55 million euros in four years, or about five years, with him playing 16 games a season because of injuries... Yeah, obviously, that, that the cost of that is going to insanely outweigh the benefits because you're right. Of all the players we're going to talk about, because of those numbers, he is easily the greatest risk when just talking about his wages, not even talking about his transfer or the the commission that goes to Riola, which, again, makes Holland... Again, Holland is fun in theory, and then it becomes very dangerous, very risky, very, very quickly. Would you rather talk about the players with very little risk? I'll let you... Unless you want to throw in something more about Holland. I think you made a good good point about uh, the business end of it, making a profit. You know, Arsene Wenger was more almost focused on making profits than than winning. But I think you win more if you're being financially responsible because then it enables you to do things you wouldn't be able to do um, normally. Um, is there a particular player you want to go to first with the, the rest? Well, let's head to Chelsea because there's the two names that are at the top of the ledger. Sure. I think. Aspilicueta, it seems like... The reports should be trusted here. A player like this who's been around the transfer window thing a lot. Like, again, going back to Pablo Torre again, 
This is the first time that his name has popped up in any transfer rumors ever. For Racing Santander, he was a quote-unquote well-kept secret. He would make Spanish youth team appearances. But this is the first time where he's his name is being blasted to, to the world, let's say, by journalists on the global global market. Aspilicueta has renewed over and over again with Chelsea. And yeah. since that time, he just has been a stalwart part of Chelsea. That's why he's the captain. And it seems like Barcelona, this is pretty easy for a guy that advanced in his age, that advanced in his career. He knows the way, his agent knows the way. So Barcelona, I think apparently the, the rumor is they have sent over a two plus one contract for him, where I think he'll be 36 or 35 in the last year of that deal. And so they said, yeah. here you go. It's a two plus one. This is our wages that we're going to offer you. You're a free agent. Either take the contract or we're going to know you're going to renew with Chelsea. Those are basically the two options. And for Azlequeta now, he's earned the right as a captain of Chelsea to just make a choice. And so this is like a lot less complicated. That said, his future for Barcelona is more complicated because he could potentially just stay with Chelsea and renew in a way that under Christensen, it seems like this deal is going to be the first to be announced for the summer. It seems like it's a five-year deal for the 25-year-old. And the questions actually aren't about Christensen. It's about how good can Christensen be? Uh, coming as a free agent on that five-year deal with the wage number that's being rumored, it seems like Christensen falls in that camp of wanting to come to Barcelona, of wanting to be in that climate at 25, wanting to make a move, not feeling like he was going to be an every game starter at Chelsea. And so for his career, there was yeah. incentive to come to Barcelona. And of course, for Barcelona, there's incentive for them to take on a free agent center back because the other names there are Koundé, 60 to 70 million from Sevilla, contract till 2024. Yeah, of course, we'd all dream yeah. of it, but likely not possible. Delict, 150 million euro release clause this summer. 90 million would go to Juventus and a contract to 2024. So he might even want out, but it doesn't matter because those numbers are impossible when dealing with his club. But Christensen, again, a five-year deal for him. He becomes that the player that Barca need. Now, the question for you, though, you can look it through a business lens. But again, I think Christensen is pretty simple in this case. If he wants to come and he's a free agent, yeah. the contract that he's given by Barca is just the one that they're willing to offer. That brings the future of PK and Eric Garcia into question, though. Yeah, I'm very excited about him. I, th th this sounds like it's donedeal.com. I think he'll fit in really well. He's already won the Champions League. Um, so, and he's married. His wife is Danish, who was married and who wasn't before the podcast. I, I, th I, think, I think that he's coming in that he's going to be great for four to five years with us. PK he needs to be kind of phased out and kind of do what Danny Alves is doing. Um, he still is very effective. He should still probably, I think next year probably play 20, 25 starts for us, but we can, we can rotate and it doesn't hurt to have too many center backs. Eric Garcia, I think it's the same sort of thing. The thing I worry about with him would be reps with Christensen coming in, but bottom line, we, we, we need a center back that's going to come in and, the questions are answered and we were solidified at the back. Like, so I feel great about that. I think that he's coming on a free. One thing I want to mention is this year, if you look at everyone that is contracts running, there's so many good defenders and he's like at the top of the list. Um, so as Pulaweta, the last thing I saw with him read that he was going to make his decision based the top two things were life and family. That means he's probably coming, <laughs> um, is the, the, way, the way that I read that. His wife is uh, uh, from Spain. I forget where, you know, obviously he is too. I think that, you know, it's, it's just time to kind of come back and wind down. I could be totally wrong with that. Maybe there's some sort of personal connection, you know, to Chelsea. What Roman Abramovich did selling the club 
that that's a weird wrinkle that could kind of come up in a negotiation where he might feel a certain level of loyalty to just stay there another two years. There's Maybe that's idea. what he means by, by life. But he, he's like, I can't believe this guy's <laughs> doing this with, with the club and what he's doing with the money that he, you know, he's getting from it. He, he might feel loyal and stay there until before, until that happened, I thought he was coming. And I was kind of hoping that we don't get him because some of the other people that are on the free. Yeah, and so then moving up the field from Esloqueta and Christensen to Frank Kessie, the AC Milan midfielder, who I had said weeks ago I would preferred I would have preferred Bubakar Kamara, who's also a free agent from Marseille. I think because uh, Kamara does play more of a six and an eight, Kessie has been in his career. He is twenty five, so he isn't a little bit of a more known commodity that he could uh, that he would be a better fit than Kessie moving forward in the future, but. It seems like Xavi has asked for one more midfielder. He wants six midfielders next year where he can really rotate. And that does tell you about the future of, of Busquets as well. And he sees something from the player, that being Kessie, that he wants to use. And so I, I think this is one of those instances where Xavi so far has just nailed it. He's got it right. And I, who am I to say that free agent wouldn't make sense at the club? I mean, again, 25, you get two or three seasons to figure it out. And I'm seeing that it could be 6.5 million per year, which puts him right in the wage structure. So it's not like he's so asking, good. It's not like he's asking for an inflated number. And so yeah. there are comparisons to Sadu Keita, who I try to not say that I, I think Sadu Keita is a little bit untouchable there, but I, I think unfortunately midfielders from Africa in particular, you're, they're only ever going to get Yaritore and Sadu Keita. And I want to you know just break that mold a little bit, you know, because just because. They're from Africa doesn't mean they have to be Alex Song or Sadu Keita and Yaya Torre because those yeah. two players were totally different. All three of those players, insanely different players. Sadu Keita was my favorite of the bunch, even though Yaya Torre is probably better. Sadu Keita made 170 appearances for Barca at, at center midfield, 27 at defensive midfield, and four at left midfield, scoring 19 goals and 12 assists. And I saw those numbers, and I think with Kessie... He is already at 211 appearances for Milan, 36 goals and 16 assists. So I'm thinking, immediately looking at those numbers, that Kessie could legitimately just be an exact like-for-like -like replacement, <laughs> not for Sadu Keita, but of those numbers. If that's what Kessie gives you, 117 appearances, being that rotated midfielder, because Keita could have started almost anywhere else, almost anywhere else, but he was such yeah. an important piece of those puzzle of that puzzle where... Over the course of a season, if you're really going to compete in La Liga, Copa del Rey, and the Champions League, and if you've got even bigger, broader goals as well, and you're competing in the, in the FIFA Club World Cup, you're going to need Kessie. I mean, you're going to need that player who can come in, who is going to start for you 30 or 25 times in a season, but is not going to be? Is only going to start half the time or less than that, really, or a third of the time, and just be exactly what you need, and the level does not decrease much. Because, again, we're seeing no offense to Ricky Puj, but when Puj comes on the field, the level of the team obviously has dropped. But how do you give a player like that enough time? As I said, it wouldn't be my pick. It would be Kamara, but this also indicates to me that there's Kamara's already has his mind made up, potentially, that he's going to the EPL. Yeah. Or maybe Xavi just doesn't like Kamara as much as he likes Kessie. That's also possible, too. Because Kamara is younger. Yeah. He's in his early... He's 22, he might need a little more polishing. Kessie's 25. This guy's in his prime of his career. And Barca have enough young guys. Maybe, again, Xavi and Laporta and Alemani are like, hey, we do need some guys in the 24 to 28 age range just to be this in their prime players. Yeah, Xavi looks for very specific things. He is, he really cares a lot about where people 
are positionally, I guess, in relation to total football and being able to interchange and their temperament with where they're going to be. The times I've, I've seen Kessie play twice this year, and he his, his temperament seems to be to kind of want to watch everything and make sure everything's taken care of. He, he, he gets rid of messes, but he also can attack. He's really fast, and, he, and he's really strong. Um, I think he'll be a great signing for all the reasons that you just said. I think he's going to fit in. I mean, I mean the comparison to Seducata, I think, is pretty apt except he's bigger and stronger. There's a lot of things he can do physically um, that say Ducata couldn't uh, in terms of one versus one defending with strength. And he's primarily on the left side of a double pivot. And I uh, forget the other guy I'm a lot uh, of my butcher's name. Tonali tends to go forward and Kessie would stay back when they would press and when they would go forward and then vice versa, but he's good going forward. And I think it was a year ago, he had double digit goals. Um, you know, so he's going to provide a lot. Our needs aren't really in midfield, you know, from my vantage point, I'm not jobby. You know, I'm, you know, more worried about uh, on our back line and maybe a, a person up front somewhere, but uh, I think he'll fit in immediately. And I think that the comparison to, to Kate is very apt. Yeah, and it does. Christensen, Azulacleta, and Kessie all make sense if Xavi does ultimately want to be able to have the option of playing three at the back and a double pivot, which oh, yeah. we've seen before. And the final name I have you because Gaia, I'm actually going to say is not a name. It This no. transfer has become very difficult because he could renew at Valencia. He is the captain there. And that goes back to the the incentive of him to stay at Valencia might be greater than him to go to Barcelona, even if Valencia, I mean, they actually might win the Copa del Rey this year. So uh, they might have one more trophy than Barca this season. I, and that's not a joke. I mean, and that, those things yeah. do matter in negotiations. So if he doesn't want to come to Barca this summer, maybe Barca will again likely try for free next summer because his contract is up. But you'd have to think that guy, I mean, guy, I could, I mean, that's a chance that he could wait. But also for Valencia, in his sake, his apparently his camp has said that he'd want Barcelona to, or he'd want Valencia to get some kind of transfer for him, and he's not just going to leave them high and dry on a free. Yeah. Uh, and that is actually the kind of dedication he has to Valencia. Then why wouldn't he just renew and stay, right? So Gaia has become a quite interesting yeah. question mark over that one. On the other side, Mizrawi reportedly is not interested in EPL, which is an interesting report. You very rarely do you actually see ever where a player is like, ah, I'm not a fan of that. So I am skeptical of that one, right? That might be put out by Barcelona or there is a number of Italian teams that are pushing hard for him uh, as well. But he also is a Mino Raiola client. So obviously, you know that the propaganda machine for Raiola clients is constant. And it's, it, it, it doesn't, you don't know who put it out there. It could be one of uh, Riola's, I, I, it's unfair for me to use the word henchman. I, I, we don't, I don't want to try to create these agents like they're kingpin from the Marvel Universe, right? I, I just like these, <laughs> yeah. these agents are just doing their jobs as well. Yeah. But they have their ways. They have their people to send out messages and get that messaging out where it needs to go. So it seems like it might be a bidding war for Mesrawi and his salary. And that is where he could become impossible quickly. However, if he does want to come to the club, he is able to play as a right back. He's able to play, I mean, particularly as an inverted as an inverted right back. That is where he's at his best. And then he could also play as a right center back as well and step into that midfield. So as far as, yes. so again, as far as the type of player that Xavi is looking for, Mizrawi hits all those boxes. So as much, I mean, the five names we've given so far, that being, and Guy, again, I did not count, but Holland, Aspaqueta, Christensen, Kessie, and Mizrawi, all five of those players you immediately put them in the Barcelona team now and you understand where they fit. 
and four of those five are free agents, which, again, fits in Barcelona not wanting to play, pay transfer fees on top of wages, and Holland yeah. is the one golden goose there. So all of this makes sense, and that's why we keep talking about these five names in particular. Because clearly, not only is there smoke, but there is, it's, I mean, it's on fire. All five of these players, all five of these deals, it's on fire. Yeah, I, Mesrawi is the number one person I'd want us to sign. Mm. Like, I, I ended up watching Ajax eight times this year just to watch him and Anthony. Like, I would love to have these guys there. They just shut down the whole right side of the field, whoever they're playing. You know, that's why Dortmund's not in the Champions League anymore. Um, he, he is awesome for the exact reasons. Um, that you said. And if we get into a bidding war of wages, like we might not be able to win that, but we too, we have two things that other people don't have Laporta's relationship um, and hopefully he can leverage that. And then we have our EVP. If he wants to come here, you know, it, it, it's ours to lose if that's the case. Like I don't know where he sits childhood club. Um, he's single. If I remember correct, that's big bonus Barcelona, a great place to be. You know, you're mentioned before for Sergi Roberto, there, there are things we have that a lot, that a lot of other places are, are, are not going to have, even, even with a lot of the big Italian clubs. Like uh, Milan and Juventus is cold, not cold here, um, you know, as cold at least. Um, so, yeah, I would, lo- I would love to get him. Like, those are the ones that are most common. But one name I wanted to throw out when I was looking at people whose contracts are coming up that we don't hear about is Jason Denaire. Um, and last night I watched, you know, he's been hurt recently, but he can play both center back positions. He can play um, as a defensive midfielder. He strikes me as someone that could probably play any position on the back line if you need it. If you sort everyone in a top five league by passing accuracy, he's number four out of 1,100 people. I think this is someone that we should really be looking at, but we're probably not because we, because it sounds like we signed Christensen, which, which is great. That's probably a better signing. Maybe. Well, I think it is. I think it's, so that's actually interesting. You bring him up because as I was going over that whole discussion on Busquets, the number of uh, the players for Lyon, a number of players for Lyon keep popping up in a lot of those advanced metrics as being good fits in a quote unquote Barca system with a lot of progressive yeah. passing, maybe less progressive carrying, but building up from the back at a very high level. And Denaer is a center back for Lyon. Their names keep popping up to me for these transfers because even though they're middle of the table, they're actually having a really down year. They're still playing yeah. a style very much like Leeds United where you go, hey, if you pop one individual player out of that system and put them in a quote unquote higher achieving Yes. team with, we'll say, more talented teammates, what are you going to get out of them? Are they going to just take those numbers and have more success with them because they're surrounded by more talented teammates? It doesn't always work that way, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned his name because Leon keeps up coming up as a parallel to the kind of system and players a Shabby would want. And that's why I keep, again, popping up those names in, in all the different evaluations I do when I try to figure things out. But yeah, it actually makes it a bit... I'm not saying uninteresting, but it seems like the players that Barca want, it's March. And as much as I enjoy, or as much as for me, it makes content to have, you know, 60 names over the course of a few months because of Barcelona's financial position and needing free transfers. You know, I think it actually is good to have some stability and to have a plan like Bayern Munich, you know, not say we're jealous of Bayern Munich, but they seem to always have a plan where they say, we're going to target these four to five players. We either get them or we don't. And then we carry on because the team is talented enough where we're going to go after what we want. If we don't get it, then we don't get it. We move on to the next target. We just move down our list. And their stuff, again, they also have the pull of, I mean, Barcelona and Real Madrid are fighting over 
Pablo Torre, and for Bayern Munich, they really do have the most leverage. They most they do have the most EVP when it comes to the the Bundesliga. Obviously, they have the inside yeah. track on every German player, and then there are other players as well who grew up wanting to be a part of Bayern Munich from especially a lot of those neighboring countries, Austria, and I mean, while Romania doesn't really get a lot of top level town, but Poland as well would be another example there, and the Netherlands should also be on that list. Though Dutch players tend to go wherever they need to for the culture, yeah. if you will. So, Steve, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up the show. I really want to thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? Um, if you want to be LinkedIn, found. Uh, on link, LinkedIn if you want a job <laughs> as an engineer at this point. So, All right. So, yeah, we, I'm not going to have any information for Steve, but we do want to thank Steve for coming on and just being an expert in all things talent acquisition, trying to look at transfers in a different way. So we are, though, on Twitter and Instagram, at the Morris on a Pod, Elton13 for me. Closed Facebook group. Steve is an active participant in there. That's the Barcelona podcast. Answer the questions I like in. Patreon and YouTube as well is where you can find us. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And forward to Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.